0: So, I don't have any announcements. Uh, We'll let uh, uh, the main show come in and do all that for us. We're going to get right into something. How many times in your own life, and myself included, you just said, that isn't fair. That is not fair. And some would dare say, God isn't fair. Right. He's well. He let this happen. He let this go, and lead in this, you know, and you know, he is all powerful, all knowing, all present. He knows what's going on. There's a lot of people say that God, in, in the term in the in the Word of God, you find that Ezekiel chapter 18. If you want to turn there, Ezekiel chapter 18 is in the uh, well. The title of this is is is, "Is God equal?" So this is kind of a Bible study here. turn to Ezekiel. I'm going to find it myself here. We're going to be in chapter twenty to start with. We're going to read from twenty to thirty two. 18, 20 to 32. Chapter 18, 20 to 32. I knew it was in there. So, starting in verse 18, it says, uh, or sorry, chapter 20, first, I'm doing it again. Ezekiel 18, starting with verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from his sins, That he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him in his righteousness that he hath done. He shall live. Have I any pleasure that all the wicked should die? saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations of the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness which he have done shall not be mentioned in his trespass that he hath trespassed. And in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Now bear in mind, this is Old Testament, but it still applies. It still applies, and I'll show you that. Verse 25, yet ye say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? Uh-oh, we're in trouble now. Okay. Now I'm getting nervous. Are you grading me? Yes. <laughs> in verse 26, this, we're in Ezekiel 18 and verse 26 right now. We started at 20. When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity... And dieth in them for his iniquity he shall be uh, that he ha- hath done shall he die again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive, because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that hath been committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet saith the house of Israel, The way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his way, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions. So iniquity shall not be to your ruin, be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just guide and direct this message that it would be a blessing and a help start with, uh, to people, but especially a blessing to you, Lord, that, uh, through this that, uh, you would be honored and, and people realize that you're just not the gray-haired man up there waiting around the corner and the two by four somebody that walks by. And I pray, Lord, that you are equal and you are fair and you know, but you know the hearts of men. You know my heart even a day from today, a week from today, a year from today. You know me. And, uh, and since you know all that, it is known of you that being all knowing that you will try to do your best to guide us all and show us all when we're getting in trouble, we can come anytime and take care of it. And I pray, Lord, you just bless and direct this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, being Ezekiel, we're talking about Old Testament there, but there's applications all the way through there to us. And we've you've read some of them, you understand that when they sinned in the Old Testament, they had to take care of it. Well, when we sin, we have to take care of it. There is one difference, and that difference is Jesus Christ. One difference. I'll put this up here. Everyone wants a fair trial or a chance, a fair chance, or a fair deal. Most everyone would like to be treated the same as others. Some, I dare say, would rather be treated better. They think they deserve better. We don't deserve anything but hell. And God in his graciousness has saved us. The most part people desire equity. God in his mercy does just that. God is holy, and since he is an almighty creator, he makes no apologies for his actions. Since he is omnipotent, he knows the outcome of what he does and that it only works for his glory and good. Does that seem selfish or unfair? I should hope not after that. After all, how could I, a puny man, shake my fist in Almighty God and say, and these are some of the things that we say and have said, and I have said them too, and I'm sure you have too. Why did you make me like this? Why did I turn out this way? You know, being sick or whatever it might be, and there's all kinds of things. Why did you let the sickness befall me? Why should the innocent child die? And I'm sure that hits home to people. Why should that, that man advance and not I? I? I definitely had that happen. Why should the righteous suffer and the wicked not? i will start with, turn to Matthew 545 because I want to show you something there. Turn to Matthew 545. We're going to try to get through all this. I'm going to have to speed right through it, but in Matthew, uh, chapter five, in verse 45, and uh, we see this, uh, let's go up to 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good. Doesn't the sun come up every day on evil and good? He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So it's the same for everybody here. He's treating everybody the same, is what it's saying there, basically. And all those were positive, but they can also be turned negative too. He makes the sun beat down on people in in deserts and stuff like this, and then you know, and, and they're trying to survive and the rain, you know, think of the poor, poor people in Florida that are getting flooded. So And, I mean, there's a lot of other people in the United States that got flooded, probably worse, too, in hurricanes and things like that. But yet, you know, it's you don't hear too much about Florida being flooded like it's being flooded now. But, you know, God allowed it. Is he not equal? He gave a lot of good days, too. So rain falls on the, the good and the evil, the just and the unjust, Sunshine on both. And then another one was, we would say, why would you judge my sin and not his? That's a hard one. We might have done something and somebody got away with it. Supposedly. Supposedly. They didn't get away with it because God knows it. But he didn't... The guy didn't get caught, he didn't get in trouble, nothing happened, things like that. So that's just what he does, you know. Christian, born-again believer, have you asked the same questions? Have you prayed about them? God knows what is best for you, for us. You know, it's unfair that Pastor went through all that stuff but God knows it and he's sitting back there right now because God is good and he's just. Turn to Romans 8, 28. You probably already know this. Some of you know it can quote it. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. So if we break that down, it says, I mean, it's really a hard one. Uh Uh-oh, camp that bad? (laughs) Hello, welcome. All things are for good. It doesn't say our good. It just says all things are for good. So he takes that equation out of there. He takes that our out of that, that O-U-R out of it. Takes us out of that. That all things work together for good. Sometimes when they don't feel like they're good. And it also says to them that love God. Well sometimes things will happen and so oh, what what are you doing God? you know I, this is a little rough here, but he's trying to train us. He's trying to show us that he loves us and that we need to cling close to him to get through some tough times and to strengthen our faith in him. It also says, according to his purpose, it's for his purpose, it's for his work, not ours. So is God fair in that? Yes, he really is. Turn to First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a... Ooh, what is that? Peculiar people. Peculiar people. There is something back in Deuteronomy on that. Keep your hand in 1 uh, in Peter. Let me find this one. So, in verse, chapter 17, verse, or is it seven? It's seven, six, my writing. In Deuteronomy seven, six, it says, for thou art a holy people unto uh, the Lord God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people. Unto him above all that are upon the face of the earth. So, what does "peculiar" mean? Special. Not the, not the ordinary, the extraordinary. So, you are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Then go to verse 21. For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. So we're left as an example that we should follow in his footsteps. I'll give you an example. You just join a military service. You just go out and get a gun and get a backpack and get a tent and say, Go start shooting. No, they train you. A new soldier is tested to become a better soldier. And they test all the time on doing things like that. So, God has told us to be soldiers, right, for Him. So, get in the Word of God and become a better soldier turn to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 there's a lot of scripture in here the Lord will and we'll get through all of it Ephesians 1:13 fellow believer uh, if you fall in the, out of fellowship with God I didn't say stop being a child of God because you can't Remember the context of uh Ephesians, and we're going to turn to Romans six too. The context of uh Romans six twenty three is uh, is to believers. However, God does not extend His mercy to us. Okay, what does Romans six twenty three say? Do you remember that one? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right. So when we see that God is looking and working on this, well let's let's go and solidify this with uh verse thirteen in chapter one. It says um, well we're sealed in the day of promise. Uh and it says here that in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do some canning. You're doing something. Uh, it could be vegetables. It could be anything. You could be doing some uh canning some meat or something like that. There's a process, right? Once you make that process, it's sealed. And it's preserved. So we see that in there. And then turn to Ephesians four thirty. It says very similar. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. Of God, wherein ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So, what is going on here? We're peculiar people because we've been, as a Christian, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is sealed within us. And we're kept. You know, that doesn't mean we can't sin or anything like that. But what's different about the Old Testament that we saw in reading in Ezekiel? And for us here, it's the fact, yeah, we can sin and we can get in a lot of trouble. We can do something dumb. I've done it. And But yet, we're still a child of God, and he loves us because he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. So that peculiar person uh is somebody that is just well, you, you've been called weird. If you, if you stand up at all for Christ, you've been called weird. And I worked with a rough crowd at General Motors. I tried my best to keep a testimony as much as I could and just, you know, the guys would be swearing and one guy uses use the Lord's name as Kind of shocked him when I knelt right down next to him. I was just walking through. I knelt right down right next to him and I went like this. He is Lord. And he, he goes, you know, they don't expect that. They don't expect that. And I'll tell you, I have been say for a while, it took some bravery to do that, but uh, if you establish yourself amongst the people you work with, it'll be a lot easier for you. You might be a little bit lonelier, but they'll understand that you believe in something and you trust God. So, however, God God does extend his mercy to us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's gone. It's taken care of. It's, I mean, uh, we used to sing a song as a family. It says, uh, what sin are you talking about? And it's about when you confess that sin and God says, and if you do it or anything like that and you bring it up again, he'll say, what sin? God is saying, what sin? Because what happens to us when we confess our sin? It's it's covered. He says it's cast away as far as the east as the west, to the, the deepest part of the sea. It's gone. And he'll say, what sin are you talking about? I don't remember that anymore. So what about the text in in, uh, verse 20 of our text when we got first opened up? It says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. God knew his justice would be violated by man and intervened on his behalf uh, by first providing the law to show us that we are sinners. Okay, that's... That's most of the book here is in seeing the examples of people that broke the law, the Word of God, and lived a life that was trying to be outside of God and elevate themselves. And then a Savior came to die for us. So showed us we were sinners, and a Savior came to die for us to show us we can live. We could live and not sin if we try hard enough. And then when we fail, all we gotta do is confess it. Because what does that do? What did, what did God do for us when He sent Jesus Christ down? He, He reestablished communication as a child of God, of a son or a daughter of God. If we sin and we confess it, then it's taken care of because we have a Heavenly Father. There's a lot of men in here been fathers, if your child transgressed in some way and you had to deal with it and and you dealt with it if they did something bad do they stop being your son or daughter? No you're still their father they're still your child. it's taken care of it's taken care of it's the same illustration. Romans 3.19, uh, I'll read some of these and will have to turn there. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, that saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You know, every time we do something for God, that makes the world guilty for them, at least in their minds, you know, because we're trying to do something that's right and pure. And in verse 20 of Romans 3, he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in a sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So you have to learn first what the knowledge of sin is. And, and that's where the law came into. That's where the first books came into, especially the first five. It's showing us what the law is. What God expected of Israel. Now Israel will still be saved, but not all Israel be saved. Just like not all the world will be saved either. It has to still be a choice, and God will will make it. Christ be revealed to the nation of Israel. Here's another one: Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-one through twenty-four. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which would could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. If the law could get us saved, it would have got us saved. It was supposed to be taken care of all the time. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up by faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Therefore, wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. To Israel, a sacrifice of animals was made for the sins of the people. It had to be done constantly, and it could not finish the atonement. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says, For the law, having the shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never, with those sacrifices which were offered year by year, continually, make the comers thereunto perfect for then would they have not ceased to be offered if they could save the people of Israel would they continue in the sacrifice no because Christ hadn't come to earth yet it was all a setup to get things going and understand through the years and and it happened you know, 2,023 years ago? And they rejected him. It says, For then would they be ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there was a remembrance again made of sins every year for it is not possible for the blood of bulls, and of goats, should take away sins. And, of course, they haven't been able to do that, as far as I know, sacrificing a all, and they're supposed to be getting things set up with red heifers and things like that. Then later, uh, he intervened for the rest of the world by providing his son a sacrifice. And you know this one. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here's the other one right after. It explains a lot more. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Can the world say God is not equal? when God's provided so much he sent not a son into the world to condemn the world but that through uh, that the world through him Jesus Christ might be saved Christ was provided a sacrifice for sin and for all Hebrews 9:22 through 28 says and I'm reading all this because we're going to be you be flipping pages all over in almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So it was a better sacrifice that had to come along. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, that's churches, that's synagogues, that's all that things, figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should uh, offer himself often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. He would have had to die all the time. you would have to die every year. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered... To bear the sins of many, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And going back to Hebrews ten to verse nine to twelve. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh uh he taketh away the first, and he may establish the second, by the which will we will. Uh, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus Christ, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. He went to the cross. He died there. He shed his blood there. He went to hell for us. He rose victorious from hell in the strength of the devil. And he's sitting at the right hand of God now for us. Well, sinner, how can we say is God not equal? I would say more than equal, he has tipped the balances on our behalf by providing Christ in our place as a substitute in appeasing his own wrath for all sinners. He did that for us. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he hath made him sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Anyone can reject Christ and go before God on their own merit. There's going to be that opportunity, and it's in Revelation 20. And We'll read that here in a little bit. Go for your own merit, thinking and hoping your good outweighs your bad. How many of you heard that? How many believed that? I believed that once. I'm not so bad. I didn't kill anybody, you know. However, remember one thing, one sin will condemn you. In the Old Testament, if you committed one sin, you had to take care of it. But you were guilty of the whole law because it's in the law. Even though it's an article of the commandments, you're guilty of the law with one sin. So he substitute for us, appeasing his own wrath on all sinners. And James chapter two verse ten says, "For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend one point, he is guilty of it all." Does anyone think our self righteousness can exceed Christ's righteousness? Well, the world thinks so. They reject even the name even to be ben- mentioned whom there's no sin and he being God in the flesh freely laid down his life for us so that uh, so then are we as good as God and hide behind one of those excuses? What are some of the excuses the world uses? What are some excuses you used before you came to the knowledge of Christ. Church membership. Well, I went to church. Uh, went to probably at the time there, that was the most liberal Methodist church that was in the area that I lived in, in, uh, in the, near the city of Rochester, just suburbs suburb of the city of Rochester, New York. Went to church, you know, just did it because mom and dad wanted me to do that. But I went to church. My parents, because of my parents, they were Catholic or they were Methodists like mine were. My wife's parents were Catholic. And the funny thing is, I was going to classes to become a Catholic, if you would say. The very weekend I got saved and heard it, and realized that isn't going to do anything for me. So church isn't going to do anything, and religion is not going to do anything for you. If you look at every one of these with a scope, with a magnifying glass, any type of religion that's out there, which would be all the ones you see around here in between Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and uh the church of what's happening now and things like that, they're all works. They're all works. They're not purely by faith. I'm a giver and, and I do other good deeds. Here's another one. I'm a deacon in a church or a trustee on supposed to purchase your salvation. That's called simony in the Word of God. I have achieved knowledge. I understand. I've gone beyond, knowledge-wise. It's just, again, religious. I was baptized as a kid, as a baby. The funny thing is, my baptismal records had a whole pamphlet in there explaining what baptism does, and it shows the whole plan of salvation in this thing way back uh, a long time ago. And uh it was a little church in Phelps, New York, where I was baptized. And yeah, I was baptized, but yet there was a whole plan of salvation in there, just like you would read out of one of our tracks. And it, it just, I ran across it many years later after I was saved. It was just interesting. Well, I've read the Bible. I know what it's all about. I've read it, you know. So I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven. Matthew 7, says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And verse 23 says, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Department from me, ye that worketh iniquity. That's in Matthew. It's a tough language. You know, is not God equal? So far, if you're getting the picture, yet you'll. I'll tie this all together at the end here. Is not God equal? As a Christian, in here, is not God equal? Until the lost, as sinners, can recognize it. That they are not good enough to go to heaven and that they are, have, uh, are lost without Christ and deserve hell for their sin. They can't be saved. You gotta recognize that. And I'm sure you all have here. I trust by the grace of God that everybody in this room is all saved and going on their way to heaven. It looks so stern. So everybody okay? Get a drink of water. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 13, Go ye and learn what this, that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And it says right in there in uh, in our text, we'll go back to that briefly, in, in verse 30 it says, Wherefore I will judge you. This is back in, in Ezekiel. I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to the way, his ways, saith the Lord. Repent and turn yourselves from your transgressions. So iniquity shall not be your ruin. And Ezekiel's saying that and they're in under the law still. So we have to repent. It, it's needful to repent. And of course, we mentioned before, uh, that, well, they're going to try to go by their own merit. Well, when I stand before God, I'll explain to him. Me and the big man, we have an understanding. You hear that before? Yeah. Here's the understanding. Turn to Revelations chapter 20, because this is a good one to read. Revelations, we're going way to the back of Revelations there. Chapter 20, starting with verse 11. Now, a lot of things have happened. The devil's been locked up in, in hell right now uh, at this point, he and his armies. And what's going on here? And it says, and I saw a great white throne. This is verse 11 of 20. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven have fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books. Okay, there's a book, and there's books. There's a book of life, and then there's other books. What is that? His word is settled in heaven. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. People were buried at sea. People died at sea. Fishermen and all kinds of things, you know. In it... Let me get back there. And the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Wow. Death and hell. So everybody that's died since then and hasn't known Jesus Christ, they're the death and hell. And those that have died at sea, they're being delivered up. And they're standing before God. And they can make their plea. And they were judged every man according to their works. Didn't say judge according to their faith. It said according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So there's books. Everybody that's died, everybody that's lived and died, they're in record, and they're going to stand before God. They're going to have that chance, and they're going to be found wanting because they don't have any excuses. They can't go back and say, I was a good person. Well, did you do any sacrifices like Israel did? Because even Israel's is going to be judged too. So basically, it, 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 all it is is boiling it down. We, we must repent. We have to repent. I mean, we have to repent even daily for the things that we do, but it doesn't affect our salvation. You know what it affects? Like that father and child, that, that bonded relationship between father and child, mother and child. When you break communication like that, things don't go well. People get hurt. So if you think of that in a sense, you got your heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ, and you break that communication with sin, you need to get it straightened out. Does that mean you're going to hell? No. But it's always better to be in fellowship. It's always welcome to be, it's always a good thing to be welcome back to the table. Back in agreement, back in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Luke chapter 13, verse 3 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, ye likewise perish. Well, you know what? There's Christians that perish because of their sin. There's two examples way back when I first got saved. We had two young people years apart, uh, got tied up and stuff. They had a great testimony and stuff like this. And what happened is they've fallen in this sin and they didn't want to get out of it. People were praying. Their parents were praying, just trying to help them understand. And God took them out. God took them out when car crashes, both of them. Separate car crashes, separated by a few years. Why would God do that? Why? Because of the influence they had on other young people, I really believe. I don't know that for certain, but it just makes a lot of sense that God used them as an example to understand. Now, where are they? Well, they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. They're in heaven. They're in heaven. Second Peter three nine. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. To repent means to turn away or around and must, uh, and must come before faith. You have to be, you must have repentance before faith in salvation. Repentance is a change of heart that results in an outward manifestation resulting in a, a holy life inside now. Acts twenty twenty one says, testifying both to Jews and also the Greeks... Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to cast away the things that are causing us trouble. What gets us in trouble? Our eyes. Our ears. You know, things like that. I mean, there's a list of things I can go by, you know bad language, filthy magazines, booze, cigarettes, and all that stuff. Those things are not good for you. They're not physically good for you. But also, there's other things that we do that identifies us with sin more than anything. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-five says... Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart will I also give you. That's where salvation does. It gives you a new heart. And a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart that was in your flesh. A stony heart, that hard heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh, softness and tender, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. How many have seen different Bibles where they'll say creation? A man can make a creation. The King James Bible is the only one that says creature, and he doesn't say it just once. He says it twice. He says it in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which I read it. You also find it in Galatians 5.15. Only God can make a creature, a changed person, a changed individual with a new heart and a new spirit. So is God equal? I say more equal than and fair, He's provided his own son to take our place at judgment. He's taken our sin, He's taken our place in hell. What's more than that, He provides a home in heaven in my father's house. There's many mansions. if it were not so, I would have told you John fourteen two I go to prepare a place for you. Makes us a joint heir, Romans eight seventeen. If uh and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, so that if now join heirs, isn't that kind of equal? So if if that we suffer with him, we may be also glorified together. He gives us eternal life. 1 john five eleven this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and his life, and this life is in his Son, he that hath the son of hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, and finally, these things I have written unto you, this is verse thirteen of first John, that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know ye have eternal life, you know it, it's there believe on the name of the son of god there's also abundant life it says in John, john john 10 10 the faith cometh but to steal and to kill and to destroy but i am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly so is god not equal he sent his son for us he did something for us that all the world has to do is acknowledge and everything is on even keel again. Everything is on even keel. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time and this study, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you just watch over the, the next service, Lord, and uh, uh be with Brother Mike as he presents the gospel and and uh and teaches and preaches to us, Lord. And thank you for this opportunity to just uh, glorify you, Lord, and be with our people here and in, in the in the fellowship later. In Jesus' name. Amen.